good morning, everybody. Thank you, worship team. Uh, kids, you are dismissed for Kids Church. If that applies to you, you can head on back. Your teachers are back there to greet you and welcome you. And speaking of welcome, welcome all of you here. Thanks for braving the freezing Iowa cold weather here to come on out and, uh, and be together. Um, I did want to mention last week, I, or first service, excuse me, I always welcome those who are watching by Facebook because we do our Facebook uh, broadcasting during first service. But, uh, but speaking of that, I did want to take a moment and, and talk briefly about Facebook in terms of as a church. If you haven't already been there, many of you probably already have, is we do have a Facebook page and, and on there we have lots of posts. And, and in fact, I might say that it's, it's a great, it is a great place to get information about what's going on in the life of the church. And uh, obviously you can listen and watch sermons there as well. And so uh, it's updated every week, all the time. The team does a great job of doing that. And so if you uh, are not familiar with that, if you don't go there as a place to get information, I would encourage you to do that. In fact, you can even grab your smartphone now or tablet and go there. And, and if if you haven't done this either, when you're on the page, would you like the page? Uh, that way you get notifications when things happen uh, there. And then also on the Facebook page, uh, you'll notice Katie put on there an ad for our Marriage Matters Night that's coming up on February 16th. And uh, I want you to think of that like a flyer. You know, back in the day, we'd print flyers and you could take a flyer and give a flyer to somebody else. Well, it's kind of a new day, isn't it? And so those posts can become like a flyer for you. And so you can, you can take that post and you can share it to all your friends. You can share it specifically to somebody that you have in mind that you think would really enjoy being a part of Marriage Matters or for that matter, any event that we do here. It becomes a great tool for you. So I just want to encourage you to check out Facebook and to, uh, and to do that. We are going to continue now uh, our sermon series we've been working on now. for about, We're actually in the middle here of a seven-week series. And what we're doing is we're looking at what's called the seven things God uses to grow your faith. And, and as we've talked about each week, that God, uh, in the context of a restored relationship, He wants to help you and I to grow. He wants to help you mature in your faith to become more like Jesus. And I love this about the Lord, that, that he receives us as we are, but he doesn't want to leave us as we are. He, he wants to help us mature and to change, and that's an encouraging thing. And so what we've been talking about is how God, he, he, he does this in lots of different ways. He's a creative God, and yet he tends to use seven ways, maybe primarily is the right word. And so we've been looking at these seven ways. Now, if you have your bulletin, hopefully you have one. If not, we do have some in the back, and we can get one to you, or you can run back and grab one. But on the back page there, if you have, you could turn it over. Just by way of review, we've already covered three different ways that God is, uh, uh, he matures our faith. So we've, we talked about how God uh, uses relationships to help us mature, that, um, that we grow often and best in the setting of relationships. And so this highlights the importance of not just attending church, but being the church of being in community and being in relationships. So he, he uses that. He uses scripture to help us grow in our faith, that as we get into God's word and we get God's word into our own heart, that God will use that to transform you and I to become more like his son. And then third, last week, we talked about how God uses tears. He uses our tears to help us grow our faith. He uses those, those hard times, those times of challenge and suffering, those times where you don't, you feel like there's, there's not much hope and, and, and you struggle. And yet God can take those moments and he uses that to help you and I mature and grow. And I'm so glad he does. 
Today we're going to add one more piece to that. But before we get to that, um, all of this, the setting and the big goal is this. That as we go through these different seven topics, that you would and I would build what we're calling our spiritual growth plan. That you maybe grab some ideas over these weeks and you, you, you grab a few and you pull them together and say, you know, for this year, this is what I want to do to help me grow in my faith. And so it's been things like joining a small group or a discovery class or grief share last week. We've had all kinds of different ideas, ways of studying the Bible and those kind of things. And so the goal is, is to grow because as we've talked about, you don't want to be 12 months from now and be in the exact same place spiritually that you are today. We want to continue to grow, and God wants to help us grow. And so that's the goal. And also another goal that we have is what we've been calling the discipleship path. Now here in the month of January, we've been taking time and introducing you to the path. There's a picture of it right there. And, and the path is, the, is, is a custom-made strategy for New Hope, by New Hope. People at New Hope, we came together and we built this strategy for how we want to do discipleship in the years to come. And as we've talked about these last several weeks is that you, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, you have a place on this path. There's a place for you to plug in and to, and to continue to grow. But that raises the question, well, where's my place? Like, where do I get plugged in and how do I know how to use the path for me? And the answer to that question is, if you'll notice on the very bottom, there's a little red box there and it says first step. And first step is a four-week experience that you can go through, and certainly those in the coming years that are new to the church, they'll go through it as well. But what first step does is it helps you get assimilated or connected into the church, onto the path. It helps introduce you to who Jesus is. It talks about New Hope Church, our mission, values, and vision. It talks about where we're going. And it also goes through a really unique personal assessment process where you take this assessment and what it does is it helps you see where you're at in your spiritual journey and then where that corresponds to the path to know how you, to get, how you get on. What's the perfect place for you? to get started. And so it's a very exciting thing. We're doing uh, prototypes right now and we're practicing with people. But on February 24th is the very first opportunity we're offering at the church. And so just keep that in the back of your mind. Even if you've been a part of New Hope for decades and you're thinking, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to, to check it out and be, you know, see what that's all about. Um, it's for you. It'll be happening during second service again starting February 24th and we'll be running it every other month on and on and on. It'll just continue to go. So lots of opportunities for you to be a part, uh, be a part of that. Okay, if you would, grab your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. If you have a smartphone or tablet, you can go to uversion.com and Matthew 14 as well, and you can follow along there. And as you're turning there, I want to give the big idea for this morning. The big idea for this morning, we're going to be looking at a couple stories. There's, from these stories, there's two lessons I really want us to grab a hold of this morning. But here's the big idea for today. The big idea is this. Here it is. Next fill in the blank is this. Is that God uses serving others to grow your faith. Again, God uses lots of things, but, but he uses serving others. When you serve someone else in Jesus' name, when you are involved in ministry, that will change you. That will impact uh, your life. That's the big idea. Now, you've probably got your bulletin. You already got a pen in hand. I'm going to give you the next fill in the blank. Because before we get to Matthew 14, I just want to lay just a quick foundation real quick of, of an important idea. And here's the big idea. It's this, is that people are invited to connect with God through faith in Jesus, not works. 
This is so important. The way, the avenue, the way that we connect with God, it's not through works. It's not through effort. It's not doing all those kinds of things. Rather, it is through faith in Jesus. That's foundational. Now, to, to kind of see where this lands in Scripture, I just want to share two verses with you. Here they are right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, rather it is the gift of God. Salvation, it's, it's a gift. Not by works, so that no one can boast. This is such an important this idea, that this idea that none of us, none of us here, myself, you, doesn't matter, are good enough or can do enough good to earn God's favor. We just can't do that. And yet throughout human history, it, the, the story of religion has been the story of men and women chasing after God, trying to earn his favor, trying to do enough, try to, you know, whatever it is to, to say, God, I'm good enough to be loved by you. And yet God says, no, no, that's not how it works at all. The gospel is a completely different story. It's a story that says it's not about being good enough. It's that God sent his son to die on the cross. It's a completely different way that we connect with God through a gracious gift that he extends and we receive it by faith. That's how that works. That's, that's what makes the gospel different than anything else in the world. It's an incredible thing. So it's not by works. And yet, and yet, God calls every single one of us to works. He calls every single one of us to ministry, to serve, to join him in the work that he's doing in the world. In fact, Matthew talks about in a different place, it says that God's kingdom is forcefully advancing. And he invites every single one of us to be a part of that process, to join him in this work that he's doing. And so we don't do works to earn God's favor, but because we are favored by God, we get to join him in the works that he's doing. We don't, do, we don't serve him in order to earn God's love. Rather, we serve because we serve a God that loves us unconditionally. And in the context of a relationship, we serve him because we want to love him back. This is so important to understand this idea as we talk about serving others and how that grows our faith and why we do what we do. So, so, when, so when, when we serve and when we say yes to God and we jump into ministry and serving other people, no matter what it looks like, what begins to happen is that God will use those experiences to grow your faith. If you're in a place this morning and you feel like, I'm, just, I'm not growing or I feel stuck or faith feels flat to me, maybe, just maybe, it's because you're not serving. And so, and so the invitation is there. The calling is there. For each one of us. But here's what often happens. What often happens is we feel nervous. We feel scared. We feel like, you know what, I'm not so sure I'm enough to do this. I'm not so sure God has the right person in terms of the calling to be involved in serving other people. Maybe he made a mistake with this. And I think those kind of insecurities, we all can feel that sometimes. We can all struggle with that. I do. I have. In fact, a couple quick stories. Uh, the first one I remember, I'll, I will probably never forget. I was a fairly new Christian. I was on break from college, uh, summer break. I was at home and was, I got involved working with the student ministry, working with the high school youth group, a volunteer and, and uh, hanging out with kids and all of that. And over the course of the summer, the youth pastor came and said, hey, Ryan, would you be interested in giving the talk? Would you be interested in just sharing a few words on a Wednesday night? 
15 kids, maybe max, that showed up. And at first I was like, yeah, and the more I thought about it, I was like, there's no way. There is no way. And I, I ended up going back to him, and I, his name was Gary. I said, Gary, I am, I am sorry. I, I can't do it. And I declined, and I, I passed. And to this day, and that was 24 years ago, I still remember. How silly is that? It was just one little thing. It was one little moment, but I remember a missed opportunity. The only reason is, let's just call it what it was, I was chicken. Fast forward two years. Now I'm at, uh, in Colorado, I'm at a, a Christian summer camp and, and uh, was working with kids all summer as a counselor. And near the end of the summer, one of the directors came and said, hey, Ryan, would you be interested in giving the campfire talk? Like the campfire talk. I mean, I instant, like, right, cold sweats. I'm like, oh, my goodness, because this wasn't 15 kids. Now it's 150 kids. And it's at this setting, and I, I was like, oh, my goodness, I wanted to throw up. I mean, this was, this was a... Stage fright was real for me. Like, I don't know that I can do this. I had every excuse in the book rolling through my head. Again, wrong person. Who am I? No way. Not a chance. Can't do this. Never done it before. Wrong person. I mean, all that's going through my head, but I remembered back the missed opportunity, and so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I'm sure it was awful. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure nobody remembers anything, and I think I blacked out because I don't remember anything about it either. But it's just sometimes it's just a matter of, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to do it, and I'm sure it'll be bad but it's an opportunity. And sometimes that's what it looks like. Jesus, when he's working with his disciples, we're going to look at these stories here where Jesus is interacting with his disciples. And these two lessons I want to highlight this morning, because if ever there was a group of people in scripture that I can relate with and you can relate with, people that were like, yeah, I mean, I think I'm interested or willing to serve or being a part of ministry or, or God that you could use my life to make a difference in somebody else's life, it was these disciples. I mean, they were a bumbling group of fools. They were, they were the most unlikely people to be involved in ministry. And, and Jesus yet works with them in order to help them learn to trust him and to be effective servants and to serve well. And so here's the two stories. So Matthew chapter 14, hopefully you're there by now. Um, this setting, just to give you the, the lay of the land here, Matthew 14 is an incredible passage of scripture. I'd encourage you to go back this week, read it on your own. It gives a snapshot of 24 hours in the life of Jesus. And, and this day is amazing. If you start in the beginning, we're not going to begin there, but like in chat, verse 1 as you're working through the chapter, John the Baptist is beheaded. He's murdered, and, and this was a friend of Jesus. This was a relative of Jesus. This was somebody that was close. And so Jesus hears news about John the Baptist, and he's, he's grieving, and he withdraws you know, to have just time alone. And yet in that setting, crowds, I mean, lots of people are crowding around or are trying to get Jesus' attention. And, and so he sets aside his time of grieving and he goes out and he just begins to serve people. And so in the course of the day, he's loving on people, he's teaching people, he's healing people. All this is going on. Now I'm going to pick up now, we're going to pick up together in verse 15 as the day is beginning to wind down. It's getting close to evening, close to dinner, that kind of a thing. Let's look at verse 15 and we'll continue on. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him, came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Let's pause here real quick. So you have this, this setting here. It's remote. It's getting late. There's a lot of people gathered around. Now, just to give an idea of what we're talking about with a lot of people, I want you to visualize just for a moment, because I actually took the time and did some census population addition this week. And this is a, what, essentially what's going on here. Imagine out here on our land, you have every single person from Adel. Just 
come on out, maybe 5,000. I don't know how many people are here, but 5,000 or so people coming out there on our land. Add to that DeSoto. Let's bring in all of Menburn. So what, five or six people? You know, they come on down to, to Menburn and they're over here. Let's add, let's add Redfield. Let's add Van Meter and let's add Dallas Center. Every single person in these different, these different areas, these different cities coming together. Imagine they're on our property. This is the kind of crowd we're talking about. And so in light of that, it's been a great day of ministry. The disciples come to Jesus and say, look, it's been a great day. Let's close in prayer, right? Let's let the people go home, get dinner, figure out lodging, whatever they're going to do because it's, it's a remote place. And so let's keep going here. We're now in verse uh, 16. So Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, the disciples respond, verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. There you go. Here's the scene. Jesus says, verse 16 again, you feed them. Now what's he doing here? Jesus very clearly is calling the disciples to serve, to ministry, but he's calling them to serve and to do something that is way, way above their head. There's no way they could accomplish that. I mean, the disciples know, they're looking around, they're like, Jesus, we have a happy meal. You want us to serve six cities on a happy meal. Like, how are we possibly going to pull this off? There's absolutely no way. And that's the point. That's exactly the point. The point is, they couldn't do it. And likewise, in your life and in mine, he will call you to do something. Truth is, you can't do it. Truth is, it's too big for you and me and us. He'll do that. He'll, he'll put us in this position precisely so that we wrestle with this idea of am, are we, am I, are you? Are we going to trust God to do something that's beyond us, that's bigger than us, to be a part of something like that? L let's keep going because we're going to see some, some key principles come out here. Verse 18. Jesus is talking, and he says, bring them uh, here to me, meaning the people. So, so the idea, the disciples, you know, go, go grab all the crowds. Let's, let's bring them in close. So he brings them in, verse 19, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. This is incredible. Jesus pulled off an incredible miracle. I mean, something that, that we remember and we hang on to. I mean, this is something that, that was so uh, striking. This is something that only Jesus could do this. So here's my question. What did the disciples do? What was their part? Remember, he said, verse 16, you feed them. So what did the disciples do? Well, the disciples did things that probably you and I could do. The disciples went and gathered all the people, so some loud whistlers and shouting and just, hey, come, you know, gathered the people in. Uh, the disciples took the bread and the fish that Jesus prayed over and they just started handing it out to people. And then after a while, they were on cleanup crew, mop-up duty. They went through and just started picking up crumbs and leftover fish pieces or whatever. And that's what they did. Again, that's something you can do and something I can do. And it's something that they could do. 
And that's exactly the point. And it highlights the very first lesson I want us to get this morning. Here it is. Your next fill in the blank is this. Lesson number one. is that you serve God when you give him what you have. Not what you don't have. When you give him what you have. When you come before him and you say, God, you are calling me to do something. And whether I think I can do it or not, God, here I am. Here's what I have. And I'm just going to hand it over to you. And you got to kind of take it from there and do everything else. Because I'm not able to accomplish it. See, you and I, we can, we can call crowds. We can hand out bread and fish. And we can do cleanup duty. But we cannot feed six cities on a Happy Meal. Jesus can do that, though. He's the one that can pull that off. He can do the miracle. It's our job to be faithful. And so what does that look like for us? Well, it looks like, you know, you, you can come before God and say, God, um, I'm pretty handy. Uh, God, I can turn a wrench and fix a car. Um, I'm organized. I, like to, I, I can organize things. I can, I can think systematically. Um, can I use that in ministry? Yeah, you can. Uh, I'm good with computers. How about that? Yes. You just bring God what you have and who you are and what you can do. And you say, God, I'm making myself available to you. What do you want to do? How do you want to use my life? You know what else it looks like, though? It looks like bringing to God not only the gifts and the experiences and, and who you are to him. It also looks like bringing all those fears, all those insecurities. It's, I call them the what-ifs. It's the, you know, God calls me to something or calls you to something, but we can, we can say things like, well, what if I don't know enough Bible? Or what if I'm not good enough? Or what if I don't know enough? Or what if they see right through me? Or what if I fail? See, what we can do is we can what if ourselves right out of obedience to what God's calling us to do. And I've done it. We all can do it. We can find ourselves in that place. And so what I want to encourage you is, is not only the things that you have to offer, the five fish or the five loaves and the two fish that you have to offer God, but also the things in your life where you feel like these are the ways I don't think I can do what you're calling me to do. You bring both to him and say, look, God, this is who I am and this is where I'm at and it's all yours. And so if you're going to feed some people, it's got to happen right through you because I can't do it. I'm not enough, and that's exactly the point. In fact, if you look through human history over the past thousands of years and you look at the lives of men, women, boys, and girls that God has used in a powerful way, you will find a common thing theme through all of them, and that is these were not people that thought they were gifted, skilled, or the bomb. You know, the people that said, God, aren't you glad I'm on your team? It wasn't that kind of scenario whatsoever. These were people who were surrendered, who just simply said, God, here I am available to you. What do you want to do? How do you want to work? How, how do you want to show up? What do you want to accomplish? And whatever that looks like, I'll be excited to see what it is. So lesson number one, you serve God when you give him what you have. You just come before him and say, God, here I am, available to you. This is an important lesson. And this is one that Jesus is going to come back to over and over again with his disciples to help this group and us by extension to learn this. But school's not out yet. Disciples have another lesson to learn. There's something else Jesus wants to accomplish. And so we're still in the same setting, the same day. Let's keep going. Verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. 
And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before, the dawn, before dawn, excuse me, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Another incredible moment. And, and, and we, we know these stories, so many of us, don't we? We know the feeding of the 5,000. And then connected, like right after, that very night, we go into the scene where Jesus walks out on the water. Of course, they're out there on the Sea of Galilee. They're kind of stuck because of the way the wind patterns were going. And they look, and they see, and they think it's a ghost, and they're, they're terrified. What I love, too, I mean, Matthew, who wrote this account, he's in that boat. He's kind of a part of this. I mean, just freaking out. And this is an incredible scene as Jesus comes out on the water to them. And then it gets really crazy. Look with me at verse 28. Peter talks and he says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. What? Verse 29, come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. Another incredible moment. And I can't help but think that Peter, his faith was bolstered because of what he just saw. Jesus, I just saw you take five pieces of bread and a couple of fish and you fed six cities. Like I just saw you do something absolutely incredible. And I, I imagine in light of that, he's feeling bolstered in his faith. And so this scene happens. Jesus is on the water and he, he as we just read, he says, if it's you, invite me to come out on the water. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus invites him. Jesus says, come. Uh, uh, and, and so Peter, he does. He gets down out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. Now, this is a, almost, really, the exact same scene we just saw. I mean, I say almost because the details are different, but it's the exact same thing. M meaning this, that just like with the feeding of the 5,000, here we have Peter, and Peter says, he, he, he asks, and, and Jesus invites him to do something that's absolutely impossible. Peter cannot walk on water. Peter knows cannot walk on water. Peter's about to sink in the water. I mean, all of that is so true. And so he asks him to do something impossible. So what happens here? Just like the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus does the miracle. What did Peter do? Peter steps out of the boat... And he does what he did all the time anyway. He just started walking. Peter can walk. And that's what he did. Peter gave Jesus what he had and what he could do. I can walk. I can't walk on water. You've got to pull that off. But I can walk. And here we see again this faith in action of trusting Jesus, which brings us to lesson number two, our second lesson for this morning. Here it is. You can do anything Jesus asks you to do. You can do anything Jesus asks you to do. Now, please note, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can do anything and Jesus, you're welcome to tag along. No, I'm not saying that. Now, I've said that many times in my own life, but I'm not saying that this morning. What I'm saying is that you can do anything that Jesus asks you to do. If he's inviting you to something, if he's calling you to something, if he's giving you that nudge to be involved in something, to use your life, you can guarantee, stand by faith and full confidence that he's going to give you exactly what you need to do the work he's calling you to do. 
You can trust him with that. If he's calling you to it, he'll lead you through it. That's how it works every single time. That's a principle that you can stand on. And really it highlights what the Christian experience looks like. The Christian experience is really kind of boils down to this. Where we come before God and we say, God, here's me and here's what I have and it's all yours. I just lay it at your feet. I, I'm going to do exactly what you've called me to do in obedience and entrusting you to serve other people that you would use my life to make an eternal impact on the life of someone else. So God, here I am and I can't wait to see what you're going to do in my life and through my life. I can't wait because the miracle always belongs to him. Not you, not me, not us. It's always him. And so we bring him what we have. We, we do what he's asked us to do. And maybe this morning, this is your story. Maybe this morning, this is where you could, you, you could, you're not going to do this, but you could, you could come up here, you could stand up where you're at, and we could have a microphone running around this room, and you could share your stories too. Stories where you just say, you know what, God called me to do such and such. And I was scared out of my mind. But I went for it. And can I tell you what God did? As I just started handing out bread and walking. Because all of a sudden, people were getting fed and miracles were taking place. And I don't even know how it happened, except he did it. See, this is, this is your story. And this is in my story. This is also in the New Hope story. Because see, 20 years ago, do you realize this, this spring, we're going to be celebrating 20th anniversary of New Hope Church. Incredible. I want to show you a picture. Let's go back in time a little bit. That's the first group. Men and women coming together. And, and I wasn't there. And I don't know the conversation. But I imagine it was a lot of dreaming. It was a lot of what ifs. It was a lot of insecurities. It was a lot of fears. What if we fail? What if this church plant doesn't work? What if New Hope is a complete flop and nobody ever comes? And nobody's saved or baptized and nothing ever happens? What if, what if, what if? But it was a group of men and women who said, you know what? We can't plant a church, but he can. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to start handing out some bread. And we're going to start handing out some fish. And we're going to start walking. And week after week, and month after month, and then year after year, God doing a work that only he can do through his people. And here we sit almost 20 years later as the beneficiaries of people who said, I'm just going to come before God and give him what I have. And if he's calling us to do it, he'll lead us through it. That's the story of new hope. And it doesn't end because here we sit today and we look in the past and we see God's faithfulness for 20 years just leading his church through it to this point. And it's the exact same game plan as we look forward as we trust God for big things tomorrow. I am very aware as one of your pastors that this, with the plans we have and the prayers that we have and the dreams that we have for New Hope Church are so far beyond what we can do. But that's exactly the place I want us to be as a church that we're trusting him wholeheartedly to say, you know what, God, what you're going to do, I can't even think, ask, or imagine, but we know you can do it. So what are we going to do? Hand out bread and start walking. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Tim, you can come on up if you would, please. Here's my question this morning. Where is God nudging you? 
Where, where in your life right now is maybe for you, it's I want to join God in what he's doing in the world. Because life's far too short to get up, pay bills, go to work, watch TV, and go to bed. Like what, what is going on in my life that God could use me, use you, and use us as a church to impact lives for him, to point people to Jesus right now in this corner of the world? You know, as I look, in fact, I was doing it this week, looking at different serving teams. We have teams here. Nobody serves alone at New Hope Church. We serve on teams. You serve with other people. And looking at some 24 serving teams that we have and hundreds of people that are involved in serving at New Hope Church, before we go on, I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for so many of you that are already just responding to God's call to say, look, I'm just going to bring who I am and what I have, and we're going to trust you to do something great. Thank you for that. But maybe for some of you this morning, there's, there's, there's opportunity. As you think about 2019, as you think about connecting and being part of a community, you think about, God, maybe you could use my life to do something, something unique, something different, something in my life and working through my life. Maybe this year it's about being on a serving team and joining. With that, I'd like to invite Tim. Tim was in that picture. I think you were in that picture, weren't you? I was. I look better, though, because he did beside me. Okay. A little bit, so. I was kind of behind the break. Thank you, Ryan. I think Ryan did a really nice job uh, kind of laying this out. And what I'd like you to do here at the end is to pull that card out that's in the bulletin, kind of look at all those serving teams. Maybe you've already done it. Um, but just kind of look at that a little bit and just kind of think about, ponder a little bit about maybe where, as Ryan was saying, maybe God's nudging you a little bit. But one of the, one of the amazing things as I listen to the, Ryan's sermon there is um, – you know, God created everything. He's the creator of everything. And he could have done whatever he wanted, however he wanted to do, however he wanted to do this, he could do it. But what he did was he chose to use us. And so one of the, one of the, I heard this before somewhere, maybe some of you heard before as well, but when you're afraid of doing something, uh, this phrase came to my mind, and it's, it's God call, doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. He equips the called. So as you, as you step out in faith, then he equips you, just like Ryan talked about. And so, as Ryan said, there's story after story after story about, as a church body, how we've done that over 20 years and how individuals have done it. And so it's really incredible, you know. It, you can just stand here and you can just come on Sunday and you can experience the, a good sermon and some good worship and things like that. And then you can just try to do stuff that you know you can do. And then when you, when you do that, that's what you accomplish is what you can do. And so that's all you accomplish. And so, but when you step out in faith and you say, okay, this is really uncomfortable. Like, I have no idea, but I'm just going to go ahead, take that step. When you do that, and then God shows up and does something you can't even imagine, then you're like, wow, number one, that's how you experience God. That's how you truly experience God. And then you say, next thing comes up, and you're like, okay, you did it before. Let's try it again. Oh, okay, I'm going to do it. And then God shows up and does something more than you can even imagine. And that's how, that's how the Christian life is. You just keep taking these steps of faith. And the beauty is, is that you know you can't do it, but God can, and God gets all the glory. And then you experience God, he gets the glory, people see it, people come to know him and want to know him. And it's just the way God designed things. And so if we just sit back here and we just do what we, can only, what we know we can do, we don't accomplish much, especially for eternity. We accomplish nothing, the Bible says. So I want to, I as I was listening to the sermon too, you know, Ryan was very careful and very, speaking truth about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, 
when it says it's by grace, by faith, not by works. That's not, that's not what at all. But if you go to the next verse, 10, it says you guys are all, each one of you are God's masterpiece. Like he created each of you exactly the way he wanted you to do, and he's got plans for you. He's designed things for you to do for him that are going to accomplish eternal things. And so that's what we're designed to do. And so since we're designed to do that, we'll never be fully complete. We'll never have full joy. We'll never be what God wants us to be unless we do that, unless we take that step of faith and trust him. And the more we trust him, the more we get to know him, the more we experience him, the more we have faith. And next step, next step, next step. And we have an internal impact as individuals, as a church body. And so if you've been here for a while and you never really served and you just kind of come on Sundays, you know, Sundays are a great experience for us. We love it. We get a great sermon. We get worship. We get to connect. Um, it's awesome. But that's just one thing we do. We're a family. We do things all week long. We're interacting with each other. We're doing. We're serving. And so as a family... You need to be a part of it. You're here for a reason. And so we need your gifts. We're not complete unless you're using your gifts for the church body, for God's glory. If you're just visiting for the first time or a couple times, that's fine. Um, but one of the things, if you've been here just a short time, if you get on one of these teams, it's a great way to get to know people and get connected and know more about the church and what's happening and hear some stories and, and make some friends. And so there's an opportunity for anybody here. Um, so I, I just encourage you to take a look at that. You don't, you're not committing to anything, but if you just mark the box, you're going to get more information about that team. Somebody will contact you, tell you about it. You may not like it. You say, oh, I'm not going to try that. I want to do something else. That's okay. You pray about it. You talk about it with God, and, and he'll find you a place. And then we're just asking you to step out in faith and see what he does. So we're going to have the offering now. And uh, as the offering comes, you can check a box, put it in the offering bag. It'll get to the right people. If you don't get it done in time, on the way out, there's a box you can slip it in, and it'll get to the right people, and somebody will contact you. And we'd love to have see what God does with your gifts as we work together as a family. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you allow us to be a part of your story, um, that we just don't have to have a God that's disconnected and we're just running around doing stuff on our own, but you have created us to do certain things for your glory and for your kingdom, Lord. So help us to, to really think about and understand that better this morning, to, uh, to have a, a, a heart that is open to whatever you have. As Pastor Ryan said, a fully surrendered heart with our finances, with our time, with our gifts, with everything. It's all yours, Lord. And we want to just throw it out at you and then take a step of faith and another step, and another step. We look forward to uh, what you're doing, Lord. We look forward to see what you're doing. We can't even imagine it. 20 years ago, this was a dream, but you did it, Lord, and there's so much more that you want to do with this, this family. So we just uh, thank you for the, the time. We thank you for Pastor Ryan and his sermon, and we just ask you to change our hearts, Lord, and help us be the people that you created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.